As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. another episode of the buffalo happy hour mike what's going on derek a lot uh first and foremost but yes a lot but new friends new things to experience and try uh quick shout out to addies obviously thank you again for allowing us to use your tasting room this is very exciting for us because this is going to be a in-depth conversation on a spirit that we're not super familiar with so in that we worked with addies to work with you so that way now we have someone who's got a wealth of knowledge more so than us to help educate us. So do you want to start with introductions and titles and things? <laughs> sure. Um, titles. Well, sh- I have one of those, I guess. Uh, my name is Cliff. I'm with a company called Winebow. I'm a CSW certified specialist in wine. Uh, but I have a heck of a passion for tequila <laughs> or all things agave, actually. Why? Yeah. It, it actually started back in college. Uh, it was just the thing to have next to your beer. Um, I worked in a great little jazz club in Long Island, and uh, we had live music every night, and beer and tequila was just the thing to do. And over the years, just grew a passion for it, Mm -hmm. uh, especially as you start to learn more and more about what goes into it. And I think what really solidified it was a trip to Oaxaca to see mezcal production. That that blew my mind. When did you go? Uh, that was in 2018. Interesting. So recent. Yeah, what was recent. your What was your first tequila that you tried, or agave spirit that you tried? Do you remember? I remember very well. It was uh, Cuervo 1800. That was that was our tequila of the uh, of the moment for that year or so. Is that good tequila? Is that considered good tequila or not really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, you know, Cuervo makes a lot of different tequilas, um, so. It just varies in range, so you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. When you're drinking 1800, you're you're paying for a better tequila, and you are getting what you expect. Oh, okay. What beer were you drinking back in the day with tequila? 
when you were like at the the jazz establishment? Do you remember? Wow. I think I was on mostly a Mexican kick. We drank a lot of Dos Equis back then. Nice. Okay. Um, and then, and he also had a lot of Negro Modelo. The, the owner was Mexican. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> because most, I mean, in our experience, most people are just either having it neat or as a cocktail. So to almost do like a boilermaker of tequilas, fascinating. Because <laughs> if I brought up to my family, they're like, you're trying to forget whatever happened to you <laughs> to do that. So I mean, that's about right. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> um, you know, it was it, it's more of um, less of pounding and more of sipping. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were drinking the 1800, we weren't doing shots, you know, because sure. in any any day, any time you do a shot, you don't actually taste anything because the alcohol is hitting the back of your throat. So it doesn't matter what you're pouring down your gullet if you're doing a shot. But if you're sitting around sipping something, you want something that's going to have flavor. Mm -hmm. And that sitting around sipping is is really the key to enjoying tequila. It's not doing shots and yeah. then chasing it with a lime and salt. Right, that's true. So you went to where'd you go again? Uh, Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Oaxaca is that is, like yeah? Can you explain the kind of the significance? Sure. Uh, Oaxaca is one of the southern states of Mexico, and it's the home, uh, kind of the general area where they make uh, the most mezcal. Okay. So. Uh, just a little touch on the tequila versus mezcal mm -hmm. thing as we're starting to talk about it. So all tequilas are mezcal, but not all mezcals are tequila, sure. right? So tequila needs to be made in specific states in, around Jalisco, and it needs to be made with one specific type of agave called Blue Weber agave. Uh, on the other hand, that you've got uh, mezcal that can be produced in several more states, and they can use any of the 40 varietals of agave mm. that are in existence. Some of them are cultivated, and many of them are actually wild. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, you go up into the mountains, and uh, just conceptually, like Oaxaca, you're at almost like five, almost 6,000 feet of elevation mm. just in town. That's before you go into the mountains. Sure. Um, but yeah, these wild agaves grow all through the hillsides uh, throughout that part of Mexico. When did the regulation come out that tequila had to be made in Jalisco and made with blue agave Weber? Was, was that um, recent? Uh, that was fairly recent. Uh, I believe it was 1974 okay. was when the actual law was put into place. Um, Interesting. Well, it became a... Um, Sorry, I'm trying to think of the term intellectual property. Okay. So in 19, I think it was 1974, the Mexican government said, hey, this has to be tequila has to be made in Mexico. It can't be made outside, just like they, you know, the French did with mm -hmm. champagne. Sure. So same concept. And that's when uh, the conciliador put in all of the laws. Okay. So... The, the history of tequila, kind of going back further than that, when did it like start? Uh, that is a great lead in because the history of it starts all the way back with the Aztecs. Uh, the Aztecs, well, well agave mm -hmm. started with the Aztecs. They made something called pulque. Pulque is basically you crush up the agave, you all the liquid. Um, is just let to ferment with natural yeast and it becomes something closer to think of it like a cider, mm. you know, a hard cider, right? 
Um, it wasn't until the Spaniards came in the 1400s that uh, they brought a distillation process with them and started distilling the pulque into what is closest to modern tequila now, although back then it would have been considered mezcal. So they were using all different varieties instead of just one specific. Mm-hmm. So there's 40 different varieties of agave. What? So blue agave Weber is tequila. What other like common variety varietals of agave are there? So the most uh, used ones that you come across would be Madre Quiche, uh, Orqueño, Tobala. Um, trying to think if there are any others that you'll see on a bottle these days. Those are the most prominent those, ones. Those are the most prominent ones. Yeah. Interesting. When, do they just give off like? I mean, it would have to be just like a different like taste right I mean, well think of think of different uh, agave varieties the same as you would think of different grapes and when you're making wine right um, each of them has their own specific characteristics mm-hmm. some of them are take longer than others to ripen uh, which will be an important thing that we talk about along the way here is uh, the ripening process sure so what's the first what is this first one so I actually wanted to start with something that is very accessible to everybody. Uh, Pueblo Viejo was created by uh, Casa San Matias. That's owned by Carmen Villarreale. So they've been in business since the 1800s. And uh, part of their business model in 1989 was to come up with something that was not their very expensive, very uh, small production mm-hmm. tequila, but something that could go into bars and restaurants. Uh, this is currently the number two selling uh, agave spirit in Mexico City. Uh, it's used in a lot of bars and restaurants. So it's what, what's super popular one? there. Do you know what number one is? You know what's funny? I asked the person who gave me that stat the same question, and they couldn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's number two. So it's it's ma- mass produced. I mean, obviously, there's still some quality control behind it, but that that's the one that is there kind of entry level so, available everywhere. Uh, Entry level, yes. Um, mass produce is a bit of a misnomer sure. with this property because when you think of something mass produced, uh, think of it's distributed throughout the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. Mass produced, you could get it in China and sure. Japan right now, in Europe. This is something that you can, at this point, still only get in the United States and, uh, and of course, Mexico. Uh, they have some thoughts of branching out, but the production is just not... Mm-hmm going to work like that. Um, One thing about Carmen is she is very particular about how she runs her business. Um, They do everything from wastewater treatment on premises. Uh, She has basically taken at least an entire town in uh, in Jalisco out of poverty by giving them great jobs and health benefits and schooling. She's also done the same thing uh, for a little town in uh, outside of Oaxaca uh, oh, wow. with a with a, a mezcal we're going to taste later. But um, mass, sweet. Yeah, mass produced is not quite what this is. Sure. It's still hand done. Um, instead of using, again, some stuff we'll get into a little later, but instead of using a Tahona here, which is a big stone wheel that we'll talk about with the next bottling, uh, here they're using a roller mill. So it's uh, less labor intensive because the donkey doesn't have to walk around in a circle with it. So right? they still do that to this day? <laughs> oh, they certainly do. As a matter of fact, we'll move on to the, uh, the next bottling and we'll show you um, 
I know this might be tough for the camera, but you guys look at a great look at this. Back here is that stone They wheel. show it, yeah. yeah. That's sweet. So for those that can't necessarily see it, on the back side of the inside of the bottle, they imprinted the process to mash. It's, uh, it's agave, agave, correct? Yeah. So what they used to do back in the day is they had a donkey walk in a circle and mash it. What they started to do, although some, um, some locations still use that method, they've machined it or revolutionized it. And basically now it's just a machine that does that same process, but they have to do it at like under certain clarifications or um, specifics from what I understand so far. Is that correct? You are right on track. Absolutely. Okay. Mike. Um, so as you can imagine, the the more work something takes, the more expensive it becomes. <laughs> that first one's really good, though. <laughs> the first one's great. Yeah. As I said, it, it's it is an entry level, and honestly, I mean, those entry level tequilas they're not specifically made for sipping. Those are specifically made to make cocktails. Yeah. Right. So if you're looking for a good silver tequila at a great price and you want to make cocktails, that's that's your guy right there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things uh, that is really important about this distillery is they are 100% additive free and they do not use a diffuser. Um, we can, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that right mm-hmm. now. Actually, yeah, yeah, please, do. It, please it, explain it the diffuser important. part. Yeah. Right. All right. So agave to become ripe, Espadine we're talking, uh, Blue Weber agave. We are talking about a minimum of seven years for that plant to ripen. Most producers will go longer. Um, in this particular bottling, they go up to 12 years hmm. for that process. And most of it is due to what part of the mountain you're planted on. So these guys are in Los Altos de Jalisco, so they're high altitude, cool climate, just takes longer for it to ripen. But much again, I, I always like to reference back to wine because the growing mm-hmm. processes, um, the finished product becomes similar uh, depending on how things are uh, how things are growing, where they're growing, the temperature. Um, so these are ripened fully before they're cut back. They take the leaves off of it, they split it, and they will roast it in a brick oven, basically a big room fire and steam and it takes about three days usually up to three days a diffuser is a process where they use underripe agave leaves and all and they put it through what's basically a water cannon shredder and it just obliterates the uh the agave pinas and then they are allowed to add up to one percent of additives in uh in mexico and tequila and a lot of times what they're doing is they're using underripe agave and then they're rectifying it with one of those uh additives Mm. so it's their way to get around the seven year process that it takes to ripen something correct i gotcha Um, and it's also it's having a big effect on the economy on agriculture because these plants have a natural life cycle Mm -hmm. and it's being taken away and what they're doing is they're trying to replace these plants as quickly as possible, dig them up as quickly as possible. And um, it's causing shortages in agave for producers who are trying to do it right. It's, uh, it's, 
mostly happening with some of the bigger uh, conglomerate companies who mm. own these tequila distilleries uh, because 80% of tequila distilleries are owned by people outside of Mexico. Sure. Um, and it's, um, it, it, it's a process that leaves you wondering mm. what you're actually drinking. Sure. That's, I think that's part of the attraction to this spirit and then is even something like whiskey where you're forced to enjoy the process and most head distillers maybe try two of their own batches in their lifetime just because they age it for so long mm-hmm. and it's fascinating with this where they're trying to rush it and then literally earth is like no dude it's going to take seven years like <laughs> yep. mother earth steps in it's like slow down little one like it'll be okay just produce the juice <clears throat> i love that yeah and, you know, it, it's actually gotten to a point where there are a lot of tequila aficionados who are standing up and saying, yo, man, this is not right. Yeah. And we're going to tell you guys who's doing it yeah. and who's not. There have been a couple of big uh, articles recently, uh, one in Elle magazine not too long ago. There was one in Forbes recently where they talk about the different processes that are happening with diffusers um, and, of course, tequila matchmaker. Um, if yeah. you guys haven't seen the app to kill a matchmaker yet, get it because it's all about telling you exactly what's happening with, uh, with the producers that you're buying. That's cool. So, and that's with, all tra- not to cut you off, Derek, that's all tracked with the NOM, correct? That is. Okay. So in, in the world of whiskey, just cause that's what we're familiar with. If you add anything to whiskey, you can no longer call it whiskey. You have to call it flavored whiskey. Do you see that? potentially growing with tequila to say if it is diffused you have to call it on on the label do you think that would ever happen i would love to say that it'll happen but this is one of those things where the people who have all the money are the people who are making those decisions so no so so probably probably not. not but historically anyways historically so um guys i brought some snacks because one of the things that people like I said, everybody likes to do shots of tequila. I want people to drink tequila. I want people to taste tequila. And part of it is each of the tequilas that are made in Mexico are made to go with certain flavors, mm-hmm. right? Just like, again, wine. I know I keep going there, but wine and tequila have so much in common. So I brought a couple of different flavors that we could jump into to taste along. This is so exciting. I'm still trying not to make a mess right now. No, you're good. Yeah, take your time. No rush. (laughs) This taste, this one is much, I like this one much more than the previous one. Do you? I Honestly, they're both super pleasant. I feel like you like this one just because of that smoke element. (laughs) Yeah, I don't It's a little smokier than the first. It doesn't have that much of smoke, though. No, 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 but compared to the first. I mean, the first was gentle. It Mm -hmm. was soft. This has got like a little bit more of a bite to it, a little smokier. I think this just like cuts off real quick. And it's like that initial kind of tingle on your tongue, then it stops. And then you just get the sweetness from the agave after that. And I like I kinda like that break. I like I like both of these. I get excited. So like I said, for for a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And and different production methods. It takes a lot of work to uh, to make something that's so handmade with literally a donkey going around in a circle, right? That's wild. So um, the the amount of liquid that you get out of each process changes as well. And that concentration can mean different things. So in the uh, first one we tasted, the Pueblo Viejo, it takes um, 17, I'm sorry, it takes nine kilos of agave 
to make the Pueblo Viejo, it takes 17 kilos of agave to make the Tohona. How? So it takes almost twice as much of the plant uh, of the agave to actually make what's in this bottle. And it's because of that crushing. Mm. The roller mill, the automated, is way more efficient. So you get twice as much juice. Is it just like an automatic like feed that goes through and there's just a rolling pin always? Pretty much. Uh, yep. Okay. That would make and, a lot of sense. Then. Yeah. And it just, you know, it just kind of, <laughs> it almost pops like a kernel of popcorn mm. as it goes under there. And that's 17 plants per bottle? Per bo- uh, 17 kilos of yep. plant per bottle. Now, uh, a blue agave yeah, estradine they're, they're is about, gigantic, yeah, right? you know, it's like this big. So mm-hmm. um, you're probably looking at three or four bottles per piña. This might be a really dumb question, but what is agave actually classified as? Like, it's not a vegetable. It's not a fruit. It's like sugar. Like It's a plant. Right? Is it just I, like a plant? I might, I might actually go back. I think it might be considered a vegetable. Really? Because I know like you can get agave. Like You might have to Google yeah, that one. Like I, honey. You asked me that before. <laughs> honey and agave are kind of the, well, they have the same flavor profile. So I don't know if that came from like, I have no idea. I kind of feel stupid not knowing. Nah. <laughs> nah. Nah. There's no reason to feel stupid. There's so much information out there, guys. Absolutely. That's what the Google machine is good for. <laughs> That's one of the things the Google machine is good for. All right. So talking about these uh, these flavors, with the uh, with the Blanco, want to try the salsa. Okay. And then try it a second time with just a little squeeze of lemon on the chip before you do it. So it's actually a succulent. It's a succulent. Yeah. Okay. No that idea. Make, that actually makes perfect that sense. That makes a lot of sense. Here you go. What are we doing here? So we're eating, bro. Love it. Try with a little bit of salsa I as need, is. I need some juice. I got thirsty. And then <sighs> give yourself a little bit of squeeze of lime on one first. Oh, okay. And then scoop it. Okay. So Blancos are all about the citrus. Um, it's bright, fresh flavors, clean roasted agave. Um, and this is this is when you want it. You want it as your first course. You, this is your appetizer mm-hmm. tequila. So try one with the salsa first. Try the... one with just the plain salsa, and enjoy that freshness. The cilantro will really play nice against that mintiness of the mm-hmm. tahona. Also, guys, this is uh, for the viewers. This is eighty proof. So we're doing okay. We're doing okay so far. <laughs> so it good. Is gonna I go love. Off. What is the higher proof ranges for, for tequila? Um, is that a thing? I mean, just just in general, you will see things up to 92, 94. Okay. Um, that happens especially in, um, in mezcals. Yeah, this makes me happy. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, like I said, fresh and bright. Good flavors. I it's love lime so much. Man. Lime is such an incredible flavor. I had uh, a lot of margaritas with chips and salsa <laughs> on vacation, and this puts me right back there. And now I'm sad that I have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Where were you on vacation? Maine, believe it or not. Chips uh, and salsa in Maine. Super Why close not? to Mexico, so basically the same thing. <laughs> so now this is the same distillery, but so, this is a Reposado? Yes. Oh, hold on. I'm going to mix. So, okay. there are 
age definitions when it comes to tequila. And reposado means rested. So reposado tequila is just Blanco tequila taken and put into wood barrels, right? For how long? So when you're talking about reposado, it's for a minimum of two months, but no longer than one year. At one year, you become an añejo. At three years, you become an extra añejo. Mm. So we're actually, we're not going to taste an añejo today, but we are going to the extra añejo. Love that. And then an extra, extra añejo. Ooh, how long is that for? <laughs> uh, that's a 10-year. I brought a 10-year, yes. So when they're aged in barrels, do they have to be oak? Do they have to be any type of wood? Um, they do not have to be oak, but it is the most used. Um, oftentimes people will use old bourbon barrels mm. because, okay. you know, the rules of bourbon, you use the barrel once and you can't use it for bourbon anymore. Right. So they become very inexpensive compared to what a brand new barrel costs. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes uh, they're using bourbon barrels. Every once in a while, you'll get somebody who uh, ages in a Mexican pine barrel, mm. um, but we don't often see those here in the States. Mizanara oak barrels? That'd be cool. <laughs> and this is the same... That would be fun, actually. Yeah. This is the same location. Okay. This is the same, same distillery, distillery yep. same family, all the way across the board. As a matter of fact, the first... I like their bottles a lot. Yeah, their bottles are sweet. I like this little rope around the neck. Me too. Well, yeah, the first relaxed, four things were... Right? Right? <laughs> we get it. You just got married. Calm down. <laughs> Well, now I know what to get you for a yep, wedding gift. There you go. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> just the rope. Just yeah, the rope. Yeah, not the juice. <laughs> um, okay, so guys, getting into the reposado, there starts to get to be a creamy nature to this, right? Yeah, why? What is going on with that? So it's, it's the oak. Um, when you think about what oak imparts, uh, vanillin is certainly a prominent flavor that, uh, that you get out of American oak, uh, coconut, butterscotch, but all of those are flavor components that have texture to them, right? So you get the richness that those additions from the oak that become part of the tequila that give you that creaminess. So instead of chips and salsa, are we still supposed to have chips and salsa with a reposado? So with the reposado... I can have chips and salsa whenever I want. Yeah, I mean, you, you really fair. can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, with the reposado, uh, jump into the guac. The okay. guac, okay. Yeah. So far, in my tasting experience, which is unbelievably limited, but it's in large... I mean, it's in only part due to Addie's. That's the only reason I've tried tequilas. <laughs> Because Tyler forced it down my throat. <laughs> Shout out, Tyler. Thank you. Um, reposados are my favorite mm -hmm. so far. But I'm, I'm, still, I'm still getting my feet wet. I like the Anejos, bro. Wait till you try a good Anejo. Oh, Anejo. Mm. It's because it's smoky. That's what you... That's what you no, go, it's just because it's, 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 it's similar to aged. scotch, right? No, that's mezcal. Okay, Anejo just it. means that it's been in a barrel for longer, right? Okay. Yeah, but um, the longer anything is in a barrel the closer they all come together. True. You know, you taste something that's 20 years old, whether it be scotch, uh, cognac, mm -hmm. aged tequila, everything starts to kind of taste like wood at a certain right. point. Yeah. So for somebody who's a whiskey drinker, you know, mm -hmm. a more wooded tequila it makes perfect sense. This with the guac is amazing. And it's, I, it's that creaminess. It, it pairs well. 
just to go around the room quick. Yeah. Well, around the table. Guac or salsa? Me? Oh, I'm a guac guy, man. Guac. Same. Yeah. I, okay. This is this is my jam. I'm real happy right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Guac, we buy these little taster things all the time. Do you? Oh, my God, yeah. There's actually bread rounds if you prefer oh, okay. to, the, to the chips for this. No, I don't want to bloat, sir. I'll stick with <laughs> chips. <clears throat> no, this is really cool. I've never done a, a tasting like this ever. Yeah. So this is this is unique. I'm, uh, thank you again. All right. So, so Reposado goes up to a year. Up to a year. Up to a year. Okay. All right. I'm going to throw a little tiny uh, bit of a curveball Reposado in here from a producer called Arte Nam. So these guys, basically what they do is they find all of your favorite producers and they do one-off bottlings from them. Oh, sweet. So think of uh, like old White Mackay or um, somebody like that, Douglas Liang. They're, they're bottlers, right? They buy whiskey and they put it in a bottle under their own label. Same idea here. But the cool thing is, is when you're getting these, oftentimes that is from a producer who we can't get our hands on. So different noms are represented like... Fortaleza, um, in this case, Siempre Vales, um, G4. So these are all tequilas that we can't get on a regular basis, but these guys are buying directly from those uh, those producers and bottling it themselves. Is it? Can we not get them because we can't import them or just because they're so limited quantities? Because they are extremely limited quantities. Gotcha. Can you explain the NAM yes. aspect as well for beginners? So, uh, NAM is actually two things. You're welcome. Uh, NAM is the Norma Oficial Mexicana, and it is the governing body that certifies distilleries. And the NAM is also the number that's on each of the tequila bottles that tells you what distillery that that tequila comes from. So, so if yeah. you're super nerdy, about tequilas, you find the nom on the label, search the nom, and then you get the distillery's background info, all the data, etc. And then you use an app to track all the noms and then all the distilleries and then what you've had so far. Yes. So if, if you're into that sort of thing for the audience, download the app and then you can basically go on this nom hunt and experience all the different tequilas from Blanco up. Yep. Yeah, and you'll find it on every bottle. Sometimes it's a little small in the corner. Mm -hmm. Are they and required? Sometimes to... it's boom, right in the middle of the label. <laughs> are they required to put it on by yes, law? They are. Okay. So sense. it's required by law. Correct. That's amazing. I mean, it's amazing, but it's also fascinating because it's it's one extra step that basically it it holds their feet to the fire. It holds them accountable. To a degree. To a degree. Mm -hmm. um, just because you know where it comes from doesn't necessarily mean you know it, everything that's going on mm -hmm. there. And that's why Tequila Matchmaker has gone the next step forward where they're actually certifying distilleries that are um, additive free and diffuser free. Gotcha. And so there's a little tag. And it's not... Um, don't call it law yet because it's taking them a lot of time to do it because when they first put out the information saying, hey, we're going to do this, hundreds of distilleries, uh, there are 1,500 distilleries in, uh, in Mexico that produce tequila. 
hundreds of distilleries said, yes, please, you know, come. We want you to come and see what we do. And part of it is they literally open their books to to kill a matchmaker to prove that they're not doing anything clandestine, right? Yeah. That's I mean, that's a shout out to the Mexican people. I mean, that's there's so much integrity there. Well, I want to know how Tequila Matchmaker even got started because that's that's pretty impressive that all these distilleries are basically opening themselves up just to be yeah. kind of verified in an app. That's wild. Well, think about it from a business perspective. I mean, wouldn't you want to be known as viable and you know verified? Like that's a strong, powerful word, not yeah. for marketing, but also for your consumer base. I mean, yeah. to know that you're legit, well, that's massive. More and more nowadays, people want to know where their stuff is coming from, hundred percent, and what's happening to it. Yeah, right? this uh, this concept of additive free, um, the additives that they use are so concentrated that you could take the tip of a toothpick and dip it into the liquid smoke that they are allowed to use. The tip of the toothpick into a barrel will change the entire color and flavor of that entire barrel. So these are super concentrated. Um, and there's four different categories that they're allowed to use. One of them is just you know caramel color. There's a sweetener. There's a wood uh, wood smell and Smoke. glycerin okay. glycerin uh, for mouthfeel. Sure. So when when they allowed the idea of these additives into the laws, it was supposed to be so that hey, if I have two different bottles and they look just a little bit off, and we're trying to have them look the same from batch to batch, we might add a little bit of color. But now it's turned into producers using these diffusers, getting tasteless uh, end product, and then their tequila ends up tasting like whatever the additives are. Mm. It's, uh, there's the a same. lot out there. It's yeah. A, yeah. This I one, so. I feel like is much, it's not as sweet as this one. Yeah, it's drier. It's, it's very dry. In a good way though. Yeah. Yeah, um, very different producers. Uh, like I said, this is uh, the family Vivanco, uh, who makes Siembra Valles. Uh, I'm sorry, Siembra Azul. And this is a, uh, a just a different style from high-altitude, red, uh, iron oxide-laden soils, and a very low-temperature distillation. Should we pair this with anything food-wise? Um, so I like I actually like this with the cheese because okay. it's a little creamier than um, mm -hmm. than the uh, Tahona. Are all of these sold at Addie's? Everything we're tasting today is sold at Addie's. Love that. Nice little segue for the so, boys yeah, over so here. So download you know? their app. Absolutely. Yeah, Addie's. download the Addie's app, and then you can basically just search um, and then see what their inventory is set for. Do you know? I not to put you on the spot, but do you know like um, pricing? For these that are here or not, I probably even, should have found that out, but I did not. <laughs> even ballpark it. Do you have any ideas if it's ballparked? Like, I'm sure that's not $2,000. Oh, goodness, no. As okay. a matter of fact, um, these are often less expensive than whiskey. a lot of other tequilas that you're buying, and definitely whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Tahonas, you're looking in the 50, 60 range. Okay. Uh, the Arte Nam, you're probably under 50. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like this one. Yeah, I mean, we're out of everything that we're tasting today, the quality is high, but the value is there. Mm -hmm. I love that. We spent the first like two and a half years finding budget 
whiskey options for under 50 bucks. Like best things you can do that's not going to break the wallet. And it's unbelievable how many options there are. So yeah. it's really cool that you can do that as well with tequila. Yeah. Just it's it's not intimidating, but it's intimidating because it's a totally different spirit. There's so many ins and outs of it. You don't really and know everybody's how had bad experiences with it, basically. So everyone's kind of well, hesitant to get back into it. Well, yeah, people went to college and they're just like, well, exactly. yeah, I'm gonna crush it, and then they forget they're weak. I mean, now that you know, <laughs> now that we're adults and we're being strategic about this, it's actually super exciting yeah. and inviting. Yeah. Right. And I feel like all of the distilleries have really, really deep rooted good stories and they're like sound people. Yeah, very much so. And and that's what our company does. Uh Winebow. We specialized in family-owned and operated businesses across both our spirits and our wine portfolio. Please explain Winebow. <laughs> we haven't touched on it yet. Yeah, we no probably worries. should. Uh, Winebow, Winebow is a wholesale and distributor, but we are a distributor of fine wine and spirits uh, throughout the United States. Uh, we're all, we also have an import arm of our company, so we bring in uh, wine and spirits from Italy, France, Germany, Spain, South America, as far as uh, Australia, Japan, uh, we, we, we are quite international. How many people work there? Um, we have to be in the range of 2,000 by now. Oh, wow. Employees? Yeah. yeah. No Jesus. kidding. Well, as I said, we're, we're in more than 20 states. Uh, just here in New York State, we have... Um, we probably have 300 employees. Oh, wow, I didn't least. know that. That's yeah. fascinating. Wine is huge. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, we didn't know that. We should probably straighten up, man. <laughs> fix well, our posture. You know, you know we're, we're the biggest little guy. You know, we're still gotcha. considered a small company compared to the big conglomerates who, you know, we're, I think we fit number six in, uh, in the United States. Hmm. Um, and there are three who are just... Yeah, they're just gigantic. Sure. Gigantic. So you guys work with these distilleries face to face, like face to face, absolutely. So how often do you have to travel for work? Um, not as much now. Sure, um, but we, you know, we get to travel once or twice a year to okay. either a wine or a spirit region. Um, we will travel within uh, within the state, bringing the word around. So you know, I'm kind of a road warrior when it comes to the car in New York State, but mm -hmm. don't have to get on a plane too much. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but we do a lot of education uh, over the internet nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, we just had the pleasure of hearing Carmen Villareale. She was at our office in New York yesterday, and we uh, we did a great seminar with her. Oh, that's, that's sweet. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Again, you know, this is a woman who had six kids, lost her husband in 1997, and still managed to run a company and turn it into something that is not only uh, helping the Mexican people, but it's she's working with the Mexican government, the Board of Tourism, um, and wow. she's even she's even donating money in New York City for uh, there's an immigrant child housing project that she works on in New York City. Wow. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah, she's an outstanding person. Um, So I want to continue on with the Mm -hmm. Casa San Matias. And this is something that's pretty unique to their portfolio. It's an inexpensive extra añejo. So typically when you start going from Blanco to Reposado to Anejo to Extra Anejo, does it normally go up in price or is that not relative? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Anytime you have to warehouse something, you have to charge for it. Uh, That's part of it. And then there's also, uh, you guys will know from whiskey, Angel Share. Mm -hmm. Same thing happens, especially in Mexico. It is quite warm. Sure. Um, Better at altitude, but still quite warm. So you lose Angel Share every year. It's not... uh, I think it's about four or five percent. Mm. It's not like Goa, India, where they're losing eight nine percent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do they call it angel share? Uh, they don't. Hmm. So I don't you, know that I've ever heard them talk about it as a term. Yeah, they just I, expect it as a loss. There, yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. an expected loss. Okay. So you said before this is tenure. No, we're not there oh, yet. Okay, gotcha. We, uh, we're, that's the extra, extra. Oh, I yeah. Settle down, Derek. Sorry. I just Slow got your juiced. Roll, D. I love this. <laughs> Slow your roll, D. I love that. Um, so we are tasting the Gran Reserva Extra Añejo. So at three years, that's where that next category kicks in. Extra Añejo. Here we go. You this like is this? When, oh, yeah. yeah. This is when you're getting into those, you know, real woody flavors mm-hmm. and you're starting to expand on the roasted nature of the agave. But then all those wood flavors start to oh, come in into the fish right. and it gets just spicy and rich. What's the ballpark on this? Oh, it is so cheap. This is like $50. What? All right. So let me let me explain this to you. Casa San Matias was the very first person to release an extra añejo onto the market very first very first so uh, this was back in 1993 you get the first bottled extra añejo shipped out into the marketplace and they've this is a regular part of their production this is not a special bottling they've made this for 20 some odd years They do it consistently. They do it by a recipe. They're only using Tacona crushed agave. 
Um, they're using predominantly ex-bourbon barrels, but they're also using some virgin oak. And it doesn't have to be this miraculous thing that people charge you sure. hundreds and hundreds of dollars for. You can get a great extra añejo sippable agave for 50 bucks. So they just started the concept of extra añejo in the 90s? So understand... People always save classification some classification of it, sure. Yeah. Correct. Right. 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 You know, wow. every it's distiller wild. saves it's... some barrels, sure. puts a few babies in the back for later. That's but just so wild how n- new this it's a classification really young is. Category. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is so good. Now's the cheese time. Now's yeah. the cheese time. Now sure. is the cheese time. I don't know if I'm dumping any of this out, friend. Hey, I, I, already drank my, <laughs> I already drank my little sample. This is unbelievable. <laughs> And again, here at Addie's, another shout out. This is, this is uh, the Hoot one. Hoot Hoot? Yeah, Hoot Hoot. Love that. Hoot Hoot came back. We did a review. Tyler gave us one of the bottles that was also that distillery. Oh, oh so, yeah. right on. So we basically said Hoot Hoot during the whole time because of the owl. <laughs> <laughs> for those that We're are very watching. Immature, just so you yeah. <laughs> for those that are not watching on YouTube, for one, you need to watch on YouTube. But two, the, the logo is an owl. So enough said. Me and Derek. It's an amazing cheese, too, by the way. Yeah, Great nice job with that cheese pick. pick. Cotillo. What? So Mexican good. cheese. Cotilla. From where? Waggies. Waggies has it? I don't know if you can get this. Away. No free shout outs, but I didn't know Sorry. you could get that there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, unless you're Addie's. That's amazing. Okay, I like it. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I want to be thorough. I want to make sure you guys are getting the experience. If I could have got fried crickets and chicharron, <laughs> I would have had it, but I couldn't find any. We have we have a local restaurant that has fried crickets though. Right on. Yeah, they use crickets in uh, a, a few of their dishes. Yeah, that threw me for a loop. We had them after the uh, the interview with them. Yeah, that was that was an experience. Anyways, it was like Fear Factor. So what's this? You got packaging. <laughs> so before we move on, when you go to Oaxaca and you go to a restaurant, instead of putting bread on the table, they put fried crickets. That's awesome. It was fantastic. And it was in every drink, and it, it was pretty much everywhere. Okay. So we are taking a bit of a step up. Uh, we're, we're getting into a specialty bottling called Imperio del Don. And this is from the Arendian family. This one's a one-off from everything else that we're tasting today because Tyler's actually had some great success with this here. Um, he buys it by the bottle or two, and, and people have really taken to it because most of the extra añejos that are on the market are five or six years old. Um, we have this young guy here, but it's priced like a young mm-hmm. guy here, right? And then you're talking about, in some cases, high hundreds to several thousand dollars a bottle, Oftentimes, it's because it's in a beautiful decanter, mm-hmm. right? They didn't need to put this into a super beautiful decanter that was hand-blown and cost $1,000 to give you good, well-aged tequila. So this is a 10-year-old. Uh, sees, uh, it's taken from a special plot that the Arendian family owns <clears throat> in um, the uh, Los Altos de Jalisco. It is Tahona crushed, and it sees a full 10 years minimum in barrel. Cheers. Cheers. 
Cheers, boys. Oh my God. Put your, wow. no, put your nose in that glass. Yeah, right. It's honey and vanilla, caramel. This is good. Just beautiful cooked agave. <laughs> Derek's a tequila guy now. We need like to watch a out. saltiness to yeah. it. That's kind of fun. So, ballpark price on this? Any ideas? Uh, this one is probably in the three and a quarter range. That's fascinating. Thank you for this. Yeah, I, yeah. Obviously, it's a treat. This is super exciting. This is, this is, this really this is, is super share. good. And this, you're not making a cocktail with this. You're not making obviously. a cocktail. You want to put this into a snifter or a yeah. nice bold wine glass. Yeah. And you want to enjoy this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting all those rich bourbon notes. Now, this is so good. With that like thing. extra honey like kick to it. This is fantastic. There's there's no ice. You don't put ice in this. This is You don't need to. I, it's I, it's so different from whiskey. You really don't need to. Yeah, I never put ice in any of my tequila unless I'm making a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, not like a whiskey where oftentimes people like us drink cast strength stuff, and you know a little ice will do it some good. This, you know, they're they're always in that eighty to ninety proof, um, and unless uh, unless they're playing around with it, the flavors are always going to be soft and clean. You know, I, you know what I really like about tequila? It's 84 proof. I know. You know what I really like about tequila is that when you age it longer, it gets creamier. Yeah. And you don't get that luxury with bourbon. Normally when you get it, or with whiskey, when you age something longer, some of those like delicious notes fade away because the barrel's just taken over. Here I feel like, at least for me, that agave like creaminess is really shining through as soon as you like as you continue getting up in age. This is really good. Um, just for a matter of like weight perspective. Think of do they make agave syrup, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that comes out as a very viscous. Thick. Yeah, uh, you're not doing that with barley. Mm-hmm. So there, the textural it's difference between the main ingredients it, it shows up all the way through the process. This is so good. Okay. That's why you kind of get like that fleminess that I was talking to you about when we were reviewing them. It just it's kind of coagulating because it's so creamy and like thick and dense. This is really good. Is this, what is what is this? So it's time that we get to mezcal. My favorite. <laughs> I don't know. This this can be tough to top. Mm. <clears throat> so this is one of those things where I'd love to just leave this for the end, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense to go to mezcal sure. and get all those smoky flavors in and then go back to it. So this is it's definitely a, yeah. a contemplator. So in. In the age statement, is extra, extra anejo, or it's not necessarily a category, but is it, 10 years, is that common? Like, do not at all? No? Okay. Uh, most of the time, when you see an extra anejo, they go upwards of six, seven years. Okay. So going to 10 is really a treat. Like, okay. Absolutely. And yeah, and if you go put look at it out on the shelf, you'll see nothing else that has that 10 year age statement on it. This is really good. I have so many ideas for holidays now. Yeah, right. Unbelievable. Right? And, you know, part of it, make sure you teach them. Mm-hmm. Give it to them. 100%. And then say, or, and then say hey, I watch this chips. podcast. Mm-hmm. I feel like you need more chips, friend. 
Dude, I'm everywhere. I'm just <laughs> fine. I'm so happy right now. Know, we have right. snacks. We're learning. <laughs> All the tequila things. All Thank you again for this. Things. This is great. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, so let's talk Espadín and let's talk Mezcal. All right. All right, so you think of tequila as the shined-up city cousin. Mezcal is definitely the country cousin, right? They, they are hands in the earth. They're going up the sides of mountains, finding wild agave plants. They're you know, using things that take 20 years to mature, which we'll talk about with, uh, with this Tobala in a little while. It, it, the, the process is dumbfounding, and the um, natural resources there are very limited. Uh, so when you start talking about what's happening here, it's incredible what they've done with so little. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there are no... Uh, oven roasted fire, you know, fire rooms here. They're digging a pit as if you were doing like an underground barbecue. You're putting your agave under there on hot rocks after a big fire, and then you bury it for a few days. And that's how they roast their agave. Then they have to dig it back up. They crush it often with a tahona, but sometimes with just this big like Barney Flintstone bat-looking thing that they just crush it into into a hole. It's it's uh, almost Stone Age when you see it. The stills are made out of clay and bamboo piping, and then they got their hands on you know one uh, spool of coil uh, of copper coil. The water source is generally a pipe coming out of the side of the mountain that's just dip, dipped right into the mountain's fresh water. I mean, it's it's incredible what uh, what they do. This distillery or or mezcal in general? Just mezcal in general. That's so unbelievable. So they actually, I didn't know that the smoke was similar to that, like the process in Scotland. Like for Scotch, they burn the ground basically. Here, they don't burn the ground; they burn everything and then put the ground on top of it. Exactly. That's sweet. <laughs> I wonder why I like this so much. Scorch and burn, baby. <laughs> and. There is not a lot to burn down there, by the way. So that's, that's another fair. natural resource that's in limited quantities. Hard wood to burn is is difficult. Right. You know, even when you go out into these mountainsides outside of Oaxaca, there aren't huge trees like you would see here in the that's Northeast. That's smoky. <laughs> so when you get <laughs> smoky tequilas, you have Reposado, Blancos. Is that the same? That's not the same with Mezcal, is it? So... You are allowed to do that, yes. However, not a lot of producers do it. One does, and we will taste it. <laughs> so normally it's mezcal. If it's mezcal, it's mezcal. If it's, if it's mezcal, it's mezcal. Usually the differentiation there is either the variety of agave they use or where it grows. Okay. And they are very regionally specific. A lot of uh, agave producers are brought together by a bigger company. So they'll say, oh, we'll buy all of yours, we'll buy all of yours, but we'll put your name or your town mm-hmm. on it. And they get very uh, town-specific oftentimes because every town has their own little style. Just like you know, you go town to town and there's a little different dialect. Sure. Same thing with the, uh, with the mezcals. Town to town, they do something just a little bit different. So each of them is speaking specifically to the place sure. that they come from. 
which now, is super cool. What is the term hoven? Uh, hoven means young. Young, okay. Basically, uh, in mezcal, a hoven would translate to a blanco. Okay, I got gotcha. sure. I'm so happy. This is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so much right now. I just like talking with people that are also just as nerdy as you are about, about spirits. It oh, makes me really happy. So jacked, <laughs> so to, especially about agave right now, man. It's this is this has been a lot of fun for me, um, dipping in and finding the little nuances. You know, mm-hmm. it's like solving a Rubik's cube, and when you get something new in there, you're like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that before. That's so great." Are there not like shortages? But are we seeing um, specific brands struggle with certain things? Yes. Um, but they have, oftentimes, they have outlets to work with, right? Okay. Um, think of, so there's a category that we didn't talk about. And when you were saying before, everybody had that college experience where they got sick on tequila. Well, most of us got sick on what's called a misto tequila, right? So... When we're looking at these guys, um, it'll say on here, 100% pure blue agave, right? That means that there's nothing in here but the juice from that agave. On a misto tequila, only 51% of what's in that bottle needs to be agave. Mm. The other up to 49% could be any spirit. Oh, no. really? Any base spirit. Oh, no. Oh, Yes which means they're generally taking the most sugary thing that they could get their hands on, and they're using that. Uh, Whoa. So That's why get, we forgot what day it that was. That makes yeah. so much sense now. And on top of it, they have caramel color in them because they, they're not aging. Yeah, they don't that care. Stuff. That stuff is caramel color, which, by the way, is just more sugar. So everybody who had that hangover from that gold label tequila, whose name we won't mention, that's why, because there was more sugar in it than there was actual agave. <laughs> so what did you call that again? What type of tequila is Misto, that? M-I-X-T-O, Misto. Oh, okay. That makes so much sense now. I wow. feel like they exist specifically because of college freshmen. <laughs> Actually, they exist because it was a way to stretch out the agave that you have available to you. Mm. I have a, a weird sidebar question, too, yes. that goes back to the um, original process of the donkey in a circle. How long does a donkey go in a circle? Um, Is there like a timeline where it's just like, we need you to do this for 10 hours? <laughs> um, usually it's only about 45 minutes at a pop. Uh, okay. And then the donkey goes and, you know, takes a break, smokes a cigarette, whatever. <laughs> smokes a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but it's, it's kind of a work in progress because they'll throw a couple of piñas in there and the donkey will crush them. And then they'll throw a couple more on top, a couple more on top. And they're sure. pitching stuff back into the center and moving it around. So, it you know, for one big pit of agave to be roasted and then you take it to get crushed, that crushing period could at last a couple of days. And guess what? These people will stay there. Now, I... I forgot to mention when I talked about all those crazy things in mezcal, there's also almost nothing that resembles a distillery. Most of the time, it's like a lean-to tin roof, you know, with four posts, 
clay and earthen stoves and like there'll be a bed in the corner and there'll be like a comfy chair over there because these guys will just stay there all night working, working, working until the process is done because it's all time sensitive. The longer you let this stuff sit, it starts to lose characteristics. Now, are there laws in Mexico for treatment of donkeys? I just have to ask because I'm sure somebody's at home on the couch just like, what about the donkey? How do I answer this diplomatically? There are barely laws protecting children sure. about the donkeys. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so and no. I'm, I'm not saying that that's just Mexico. That's just pretty much everywhere sure. where, right. where labor is uh, is inexpensive. Um, and again, like for the 15th time, I'll go back to Carmen Villareale because the, when she bought Los Vecinos, they were using child labor. And she ended that and sent all the kids to school. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a feeling that the donkey does not really get the... Uh, the smoke break. The, the back that he deserves. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, hoot hoot. Hoot hoot. There's hoot. the El Bujo, uh, the owls. And I wanted to bring this one because it's our first opportunity to get outside of Blue Weber Agave, Espadín. This is called an Especial. An Especial is kind of like an ensemble where they're putting more than one agave variety together. So in here, you've got Espadín and Tobala. Okay. Mm. So we talked about Espadín before. This big. Tobala. This big. Except... They take 20, upwards of 20 years to mature. Wow. And then it takes even longer to roast than the typical espadín. So they will roast these sometimes for two weeks underground. They'll leave them completely underground for two weeks. When they dig them up, they even have like a little mold grown on the outside. And it's all part of the joy of the flavor in the end. Uh, kind of like the way... Um, noble rot works in Sauterne, right? The, it's, a, it's a mold that absorbs water out of the grapes, which concentrates the sugars. So kind of the same thing is happening here. But at the same time, it also becomes part of the finished product. Now, you just said a lot there. I know. I'm for the, sorry. For those that don't coffee. know. No, it's okay. For those that don't know, Sauterne is a French white dessert wine. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Gotcha. Sorry. So when you're <laughs> when you're talking about agave spirits, do you get are there distilleries that do both that do tequila and mezcal, or do they normally stick to one? Type? So there are companies who own multiple, mm. uh, as is the case with Casa San Matias sure. owning here and also in mezcal. However, you will you cannot produce them in the same place. So. You could never like bring agave from tequila to one place and mezcal to one place and have your distillery there and make those products. Mm. They have to be 100% made in their regions. Okay. So not often sure. do you see uh, that crossover. And is there ever any, like you say, it takes seven years for an agave plant, a blue agave about to ripen. Correct. Is there any difference between picking it at seven or taking it at seven years versus taking it at 10? Like, is there a ripening process that could change the flavor at all? Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't actually talk about this, but 
the agave tells you when it's ready mm. because it throws a flower called a quiote. So, uh, you know, Don Quixote, mm. it's, it's a lance, right? So the quiote, the flower that comes out of the top of the plant is quite tall and with one big flower at the top, right? So when a plant is matured, they will cut that quiote off. So instead of sending the energy to the flower, it actually concentrates it mm. back down into the plant mm. and you wait a period of time and then you will... Uh, um, harvest it. Gotcha. So oftentimes, yeah, the plant is telling you when it's really ready. This one, I get like, this is going to sound unpleasant, but I promise you it's very delicious. But like a cigarette or a cigar taste to it. Like a very yeah, deep char. A yeah, char to this. It, it tastes like cigarettes, Lieutenant Diane. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. That was good. <laughs> so this is Albujo. El Bujo. El Bujo. Um, I think half of this is learning how to say it correctly. <laughs> so we're not offending anybody. That high school French is really working for you right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, luckily, I took Spanish. Oh, you took so, Spanish. Yeah, that so, was you who took yeah, French. Like, he took right, French. Right. There's some aspects where I can pick up, but it's, yeah. Mi español es así. Oh, my God. It's, it's not that good. Yo también hablo, hablo como un niño. I understood some of that. <laughs> We're doing good. So this is this is which okay. one? So for our last of the evening, I decided, and I mean, you couldn't have asked a better question about whether or not they have those different aging categories in mezcal. Well, here's one for you. Uh, this is from Ubal, and this is an añejo. 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 Okay. So añejo is a fully aged one year minimum up to three years before you change that category. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's really cool about this producer and several of the ones that we have, there is a ton of information right on the front label. It tells you everything from where it comes from, who made it, what they cut it with, machete. <laughs> and... Um, uh, the producer, how long it was roasted. I mean, there's so much wonderful what information on here. And it's it's just cool. It's just cool because you know the provenance of what you just bought here. Ballpark pricing on this, do you know? Uh, this one is uh, just under 70, I believe. So when you look at a, uh, mezcal, not mezcal, mezcal, when you look at a mezcal, is and they have an anejo on there. Is that more for marketing than at that point? Because they're not required to put it. Are they required to put it on here on tequila? They are, right? Well, required. Uh, they want to. You right. know, they're creating different styles, and this is um, this is exactly what they're looking for. They want you to be able to try. This young one, this one that sees a little bit of wood, this one that sees a lot of wood. So they're creating specific categories. Mm. And again, to go, sometimes it's to go with food, sometimes sure. it's to go with other things. But conceptually, you you, you know you make what you want mm -hmm. in your own region. Um, so that's what that was about. Here, um, it's still a bit of a novelty to have. Uh, these aging statements on mezcal. Um, you're hmm. not going to see a lot of them in the marketplace. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's marketing. I think, again, it's, hey, this is the style that we like to drink. Sure. Um, 
this is this was created by somebody who wanted to have an aged, slightly smoky agave spirit. And they were probably having, I don't know, a steak or something. Right. I really wanted something to go with steak. Yeah. So that's a good point because we've been pairing a lot of the tequilas with what's on our plate. What do you normally pair oh, a, a mezcal forgot. with? I forgot. Oh. Chocolate. What? Dessert. Let's go, buddy. I <laughs> love chocolate. So one of the cool things about the smokiness that you get out of mezcals is, man, they go so good with a little dark chocolate. Dig in. But let's go, baby. But what's even more fun is when you start to see what happens when you taste them with a little spice and a little sweet. So after you try it with that one, come back and try it with. So we got a 70% dark chocolate for uh, for the first one. Second one is just about the same thing, except it's got chiles. Ooh. Oh, Tyler gave. Us a um, tequila, the ghost tequila that was ghost pepper. Yeah, Mike hates spice, so we're gonna make him have this though because that's <laughs> what we do here. But uh, his face when we tried it was just like, no, not doing it. <laughs> this is not over the top spicy, but it's fun to get that little little tingle on your tongue and then let the agave touch it and just kind of feel how it spreads. All right, here we go. Mm. Wow, that makes me happy. Wow, that chocolate, that regular chocolate, looks very good with this. Mm-hmm. It is. It calms it down, and it exemplifies the tasting notes in it. So there you go. There's your uh, your dessert tequila right there, or your dessert mezcal. Is that how people normally drink it though? Like, how does how does the Mexican culture embrace both of these? Are they separate like timings? Is that a dessert drink or are they just whenever? Like how we drink whiskey. Here? So honestly, we're we're a little over over nerding right now where I basically could have created a menu for tonight and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. When um, <clears throat> when you're producing your own spirit Oftentimes you have your favorite child, and that's what you just drink all the time. Um, I I got to spend time with one mescalero, and he made a uh, an especial that was 100% espadine, and he carried it around in a baseball plastic baseball squeeze bottle on a rope around his shoulder. That's awesome. And I don't even know how this stuff didn't just eat right through the plastic right? yeah, because really. it was easily 110 proof. And that's he just carried it around and, hey, you want some? And he'd pull the little squeezy top out and he'd spray it in your mouth for you. <laughs> <laughs> no glass, no nothing. Sounds like me when that's I'm 50. Awesome. Yeah, I'm just like over it. You know, like I'm living my life now. Like yeah, I'm right. sick of trying to fit into society. Like I'm walking around 110 proof. I'm I'm good. Just spray it out, baby. <laughs> so when you're talking to somebody that's never tried tequila before or uh, an agave spirit before, I always say tequila because that's just the first thing that comes to my mind, yeah, but it's not. So when you're talking to somebody that's never tried an agave spirit before, where do you normally direct them to? Do you ask them what they prefer to drink or do you like, what is your process? Yeah. Do you just give them a Blanco and say, enjoy? Um, so I would, I always ask people what they usually drink mm -hmm. whenever I recommend something, because I want to make sure that I'm going in the right direction. You know, you've got 
your white spirit drinkers, vodka, gin, um, are not always the person that you want to recommend a Blanco to, but your whiskey drinkers, 90% of the time, you do want to recommend something that's got uh, a little wood age sure. on it. Um, so yeah, you always ask first, but for me, the first step in agave is getting a really good um, tequila that is made in the traditional method, additive-free, non-diffuser. That's your baseline. Like, if you want to teach somebody the right way to start drinking, exactly. the right way, right. don't give them the junk first because what happens is people have averse reactions to it. Right. As soon as you say tequila, everybody's, oh, college, right? I don't want to do that to people. Yeah. I want them to drink this first. So they go, oh, okay. I don't have to throw up out my car window. Yeah. Do you shy <laughs> do you do you shy away from recommending mezcal mezcals right off the bat just because of the smokiness? Um, not necessarily. Right. And uh you're you're probably a great example. I know you said you like some PD scotches. Yeah. I would immediately go to Mezcal for you. hundred okay. percent. Um that little hint of smoke is something familiar that you enjoy. Sure. So trying to trying to point you in the direction of exactly what you would take home and enjoy. <clears throat> now, what about bourbon rye guys? Reposados? So bourbon guys, Añejo are better. Uh, rye guys, Reposado. Okay. Makes sense why I like Reposado. You're a rye guy? Uh-huh. Yeah. But it... Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm seasonal. <laughs> so if it, you know, but that's that's why I like, I love the fact that we have four seasons. Because you can try it out where you're just like, oh, it's fall, might rain today, might be like 60, might be 55. I'm feeling this. Sounds like a cognac kind of day to me, right? Sure. There you go. <laughs> and then like summer, you might go to something else or it's a cocktail. So you might go with a Blanco and then just throw in and make a super nice cocktail. Who knows? Like that's. For me, that's what's exciting about tequila in general, because you can explore the entire spirit and then you can pick different distilleries based on not only mood, but temperature, vibe. And you're just like, this is fun because now I can kind of pair things with like where I'm at. Yeah. And we're at the point where social media has created just this great place to go and interact with these producers. You know, some of them have very active social media presence. And then some of them live in a place where they don't know what social media is. So you right. just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> does does Winebow have social media? Uh, we do. Winebow does have social media, and it's uh, Winebow Incorporated. Okay. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I think Reddit, too. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of want to do like a, a clip later like on our time where we compare – an old fashioned with bourbon versus an old fashioned with some sort of extra anejo because right now, maybe it's the tequila talking, but right now I feel like an old fashioned with tequila would be better because then you're not adding the additional sugar in there. You're relying on the sugar or that sweetness from the agave with also the wood characteristics from it being an extra anejo instead of using just a bourbon and then adding sugar and adding like a cherry. Like mm -hmm. I feel like a, an old fashioned with an, a tequila would probably be better and as opposed to the sugar you could use agave nectar sure yeah um, uh, one of the health benefits that we didn't talk about is agave has a very high glycemic index 
meaning that it's uh, it's not as detrimental to uh, human insulin production. So mm. less dangerous sugar. Sure. We'll call it that. This is awesome. Do you, do you have any local um, sites or like wh- where can people in Buffalo find where your products are located? Is it just on your site where you have kind of like a, a zip code lookup or anything like that? Yeah, like a directory? Yeah. We do have a zip code okay. lookup on our uh, on our homepage okay. where you can chase things down. Um, and more and more of your um, Instacart sure. and those guys make it pretty easy to find stuff. I think Flaviar is one that, right. that works up here pretty well. Uh, but there's uh, – it, it could be hit and miss sometimes. Sure. We do business with all of the major retailers around Buffalo, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got some great uh, small friends who do f- fun niche stuff with us. But that's awesome. Yeah, um, you can you can generally track us down, and if you can't, you can always find me through you guys, right. Cliff Palmore. I'm easy to come across. I love that. So go support Winebo, go support Cliff, and go support Addies. Come on out here to Williamsville, pick up some agave spirit. And really figure out what type of agave spirit you're interested in because they do vary quite a bit. I mean, it's, just it's from, astounding. Just from what we've had today, I mean, I have my favorites for sure, and I'm sure you have your favorites, and I can guarantee you they're probably different. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to wrestle yeah. about it, but it's Hell fine. Yeah. <laughs> so go check them out. Go come to Eddie's, pick up a bottle. And Cliff, just thank you so much for your time. This thank has been so awesome. Much, I appreciate it. This was so much fun. And by the way, you guys tasted nine agave spirits today. You are champs. Let's go. Let's go. We're here for it. Thank you. Thank you so much. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.